Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Hey, where our goal each week is to bring the Lordship of Jesus Christ to life. And we believe that when Jesus touches our lives, whatever he touches, uh, he brings incredible blessing and prosperity. And that's our goal for you. We want to see you moving in the fullness of the blessing of God. Hey, this last Sunday, it was Father's Day. And yeah. man, we had the most amazing We had some great celebration. celebration. Yeah. We did. Yeah, we had a couple testimonies, a powerful fathering testimonies. Um, you preached an awesome message on the importance of dads to not be alone, to yeah. walk walk to lead not alone and not to live alone and to be with other men we can encourage and challenge them yes That's and great. you know when we highlight the beauty of fatherhood obviously god creates fathers god creates mothers uh, both of them are unique and special yeah. uh, and both are essential and, uh, and so it's not highlighting one over the other but we just happen to celebrate dads on Sunday and, and as you said you know there, there's some powerful teaching as we've been in the series on Moses life uh, and uh, and how two different times in the Bible God told men and told us in general that it was not good one of those is obviously Genesis not good for man to be alone, be alone right and we're grateful we just want to say for our wives today our we wives. love you thank you. Uh, I, I jokingly made the comment that men were created uh, with a with a sticker that says supervision yeah. required. Yeah, we need accountability, right? <laughs> we don't do. Don't well. leave that guy alone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were not made to be alone, yeah. and um, we're the needy ones, right? We are. We're the needy ones, and secondarily. Yeah. Uh, it's not good for men to lead alone. That we, we need each other. And I, you know, I've, I went around after church on Sunday, and I just went up to guys like you, and said, uh, "Hey, thank you that you're in my life because yep. uh, I'm so grateful for the encouragement, the strength, the challenge, um, the support that I get emotionally, spiritually, yeah. and really in every way." And and um, I think one of the the things I love the most about our context here at Living Stones. Um, is the I call it relational rebar. We, we've got a lot of deep relationships, and you can feel it. You know, I, f I feel the strength of our church family. I feel the strength of our men, mm -hmm. and I think churches uh, that that have strong men are churches that are able to accomplish much. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, praise God for manhood. And I and just what you said, I thought the testimonies um, that we highlighted. You know, uh, one man that could come out of 25 years of cocaine addiction. Uh, and that we honored for serving in our children's ministry and being an amazing role model uh, for our young men. Yeah. You know, only Jesus can do stuff like that. Uh, and then the other testimony of a young man who went to his father's funeral, a, a father that was really never there for him, um, a father and really a biological father, uh, but that was the, the only dimension of fatherhood that he really experienced. And yet, because of what Jesus has done in his life, he's married now, he has a beautiful daughter, and when his father passed away, he's able to go and love him, speak life to him, yeah. honor him. You know, these are powerful pictures of the difference that Jesus makes in healing broken masculinity. Yeah. And uh, and I think, you know, somebody, we've been talking about what's going on in our culture and and uh, the current, you know, arguments and debates about social justice, economic justice, class warfare, and all of these things that are so much, uh, as we've shared, rooted not in a biblical understanding of, uh, of, of, uh, of what brings about economic fruitfulness, right. but rooted in a Marxist understanding of the haves, the have-nots, the oppressors, uh, and the oppressed, the class warfare, yeah. pitting one aspect of division. our... Division. Yeah, creating division and strife. But really what we're overlooking is the vast amount of data, which really shows that the secret 
to economic equality mm-hmm. uh, is not, first of all, creating e- uh, equal outcomes, but creating equal opportunity. And yeah. much of that goes back to our families and the formation of our families. Yeah, the and, traditional nuclear families, which is under so much attack right absolutely, now. Absolutely, absolutely. You no, know, it's... And, and we were just talking, yeah. you know, just so we're going to touch on this briefly, but but the whole uh, BLM movement, you know, we we believe and we need to be, as Christians, be saying loud and clearly that small BLM, Black Lives Matter, that statement is so true because every life matters because it was created in the image and likeness of God and it was redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus. So do Black Lives Matter? Absolutely. But let's just quickly mention yeah, the Capital org- BLM. The, the organization yeah. BLM. New. You know, and I don't stand this. And part of their bylaw or their values, if you go and look on their, their website, charter, yeah. charter is the destabilizing of the traditional nuclear family, which I don't stand that because we have so much data and common sense to say the traditional nuclear family of one mom, one dad yeah. has been so instrumental to the prosperity of nations yeah. and families and children. And it's an attack on fatherhood. And and, and there's so many other things we don't want yeah. to get in. That's not the purpose right. of this podcast. But we do want to say that for Christians to support capital BLM, yeah. uh, you need to do your homework because because much of what they stand for is anti-Christian, anti-Bible, and one of the things is the attack on fathers. Yeah. So talk, you know, you've got some data. Yeah, there, we, we're and, just and looking at some general there's statistics. There's so much statistics that talks about the importance of fatherhood in 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 the prosperity of a children. You know, you know, it's interesting. Um, Pew report, Pew uh, research reports that in, in about 1960s, uh, only about 11 percent of American children live apart from their dads. However, uh, this report, this article came out in t- 2018, so a couple okay. years ago. That number has grown to 27 percent. So in other words, about one in every three American children are now growing up in the home without their biological father. Yeah. And that's that's devastating. Obviously, the, the, as right. the data shows, the the ripple effects of that dad not being there are huge. And I'll just read a couple of these different things. You know, studies have found that children raised without the father are a higher risk of having behavior problems, four times more likely to live in poverty. Yeah. So I mean, that statistic itself shows the importance of you want to bring econ- economic prosperity have a dad in the household is going to help with that tremendously. More likely to be incarcerated in their lifetime, twice as likely to never graduate high school, uh, seven times higher risk of teen pregnancy, more vulnerable to drug and the, uh, drug uh, to abuse and neglect, more likely to abuse drug and alcohol, and twice as likely to be obese. Okay. So, okay. So we just look through the lens of, of economics, okay? Because yeah. there's, there's obviously a lot of dimensions there. But when you take a dad out of the home, uh, or you have a, a father who never became a husband and never formed a covenant in marriage, or you have a father that started married, but then because of divorce or brokenness, that thing got blown up. Um, that p- poses an incredible economic deficit uh, on the family. Yeah. You know, I was talking with some of my brothers the other day. You know, I grew up in very much in a middle-class family, as you did. Uh, our fathers were pastors. Uh, uh, they were not rich men by worldly standards, right. um, but we both experienced the blessings of great dads, right. okay? And and so here's how this works. Your mom and dad stay together. They work together. They love together. They build a family together. They build an economic base together. Even if they don't come from uh, wealth, like neither one of our parents sure. did, yeah. uh, there was consistency and right. stability. And, and so they, they paid off their house or, or, or they, they, they bought their furniture. They have a car. Well, when, when dad passes away, 
guess what? The kids inherit dad's and mom's stuff. You know, that's just the way it works generationally. So when your family's together and you build things together over time, you begin to create a little nest egg of economic uh, wealth. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's a home, maybe it's a vehicle, whatever it is, property, stocks, bond, whatever. But but the point is that gets handed down generationally, which means you and I got a head start. Right. But if you're from a place, uh, from a home situation where everything's blown up, you're starting literally at ground zero, and then you blow up your situation, and your kids are starting right. at ground zero. In fact, they're starting right. at a negative place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so this isn't rocket science. When you have family stability and you have a healthy marital relationship and homes that right. stay together, you give your kids an economic advantage that that simply kids that don't come from that don't have. Right. So in other words, there's such great wisdom when Jesus says. Uh, that's why God made one woman, one man, come together, form a nuclear family. That's right. And leave that and cleave. Yeah, leave and cleave from your parents. There's great prosperity that comes out, that infrastructure for society to grow, for children to be prosperous. You yeah. Know? Independent of your religion, independent of anything, that structure will lead to prosperity. You know, and, and this is this is not even a... a uh, well, obviously, these are Christian principles, but right. the, but even the social scientists who have no necessarily Christian attachments right. will tell you, look, if you want to be economically blessed, stay in school. Yeah. Don't have children before you're married. Mm -hmm. When you're married, stay together and have it work on your marriage. Those three things, if you'll just do those three things, it doesn't matter what color you are, it doesn't matter what ethnic race you are, it doesn't matter what socioeconomic status you come from. If you will do those three things, mm -hmm. you will set yourself up for economic blessing. And now when we add kingdom principles in there, yeah, sure. you know, honoring God with our resources, yeah. being good stewards, right? Uh, being generous to other people. Now we bring the supernatural kingdom blessing into that picture, and 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 you've, you're setting yourself up for economic prosperity. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and that message is again, no one wants to hear that because it really gets back to something we want to talk about today. Right. It gets back to the issue of self-government. Yep. Self-control. Whoa. Oh, Hot self topic there. Who would know? <laughs> so today, uh, Pastor Andrew and I, we want to talk about uh, laying some biblical foundations. First of all, for for things that we just take for granted today yeah. that we really shouldn't because yeah. they're not common knowledge anymore. You know, when God created us, he placed us on this planet. We're not animals like uh, atheistic evolution teaches. We're not animals. We're the epitome. We're the climax of God's creative genius. Yeah. And we're placed here with a mission. It's, we call it the dominion mandate or cultural mandate. It was to rule and reign over the created realm. I mean, what an amazing task. We, we were, the, we were the, uh, uh, the climax of God's creative genius, and we've been given this amazing assignment before God to create, to rule, to reign, to, to take dominion over planet Earth. Uh, what an amazing assignment. Yeah. And when you look in the Bible, you don't hardly get out of uh, Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, the early parts of the story, and something tragic happens. Yeah. You're talking about the forbidden fruit. <laughs> yeah. God basically was giving us a lesson on self-government, yeah. self-control. And, you know, you can't demonstrate self-control unless you have options, right? Yeah. Yeah. Boundaries. God set up boundaries and said, don't cross this one boundary. 
do this. Yeah. Don't do this. Yeah. And uh, Adam's like most of our kids. Hey, son. <laughs> yeah. Don't touch this one thing and look away. The first thing he goes to. You is can eat one, one cookie. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Not two. Right. Or yeah. Or don't go over there. Don't cross the street. Yeah. Yeah. Don't touch that. Whatever. What's over there? Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> Every parent has <laughs> experienced the fall of Adam right. over and over again, right? right. In raising our children. Um, but but again, Adam was given one one responsibility: rule and reign and govern yourself. Yeah. He failed. Yeah. And then we get a few more uh, chapters in, and we find another failure with Cain and Abel. Yeah. Where Cain now now we've we've uh, disintegrated to the place to where we have brother killing brother. Yeah. Uh, and after that, we get into a situation where God says, "You know what? Things are so out of control, so evil, so wicked that God." Uh, through Noah, you know, saves a remnant but brings destruction. And it's interesting because when we look at, at government and where does civil government come in, when, when Noah and, uh, and his family, uh, when, the, when flood subsides and there you have Noah and his family, God reinstates, Genesis chapter 9, God restates mm-hmm. the dominion mandate. In other words, let's get back to what I instructed you to do from right. the beginning. Well, you're crazy too. Rule, reign, take dominion. But the, the point is this, self-control, self-government. We can't have a successful society if people never learn how to control their own appetites, yeah. their own lust, their own selfishness. Um, uh, and so God institutes, at the, very, at the very first episode in the Bible of civil government, comes actually in the introduction of capital punishment, that if you willfully take somebody else's life and shed somebody else's blood mm-hmm. then government not individual there's no vengeance here i don't have the right to take my take vigilante it, right vigilanteism yeah. which is what we're seeing in our lawless culture today yeah. but government has the legitimate right to come in and to take life mm-hmm. when life has been taken and the interesting enough it's not a matter of government uh, using vengeance it's it's god's glory that's at stake yeah. human nature is so valuable it's made in the image of God. It's so precious that nobody has the right to willfully destroy what was created by God for his glory. And so God himself says, I demand that life. Right. And that's a whole other topic. But right, the point sure. is, this is the introduction of civil authority. Yeah. Uh, and civil authority, uh, 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 this, this is where we're going to get into the, the, the legitimate role of civil government, which is basically threefold. It's to protect life. It's to protect liberty. And is to protect property. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the property again we're seeing today is very frustrating because we're we're watching our nation be destroyed because government simply will not do its function, which is to restrain people from destroying the property of other people. Yep. We're seeing that on national, you know, monuments and and as well as private businesses and yep. uh, and and it's a failure. It's a failure of government to do what it was created to do, because government does not fundamentally exist to uh, manipulate economic outcomes as much as it exists to protect people and protect our God-ordained liberties and rights. And this is why Marxism and socialism is so seductive, because it comes in and and it basically says the government is here, we're going to take care of everybody. Yeah. We're going to provide equal outcomes for everybody. We're going to redistribute so that the haves and the have nots that they all have something, you know, yeah. uh, and it's so seductive. And that's why this younger generation, when we're looking at some of the, what looks like the inequalities, that's why Marxism, we don't call it Marxism, we call it socialism or progressivism, but that's why it looks so sexy. Right. 
because it promises such great outcomes. But as we see from the scripture, if we never deal with the um, lack of my ability to govern myself, then government has to step into that yeah. that void. Out of chaos, out of lack of self-control, someone's going to take control. Someone's right? going to take control. If you can't control yourself, you're going to surrender yourself to the control of somebody else. That's right. And, yeah. and, and, and the bigger government gets, you know, in fact, right. you go back to the Genesis account. Right. After God uh, brings judgment... And then after God establishes civil government, right. you get to Genesis 11, and you see the Tower of Babel. Yeah. And what is the Tower of Babel? It's man's first attempt at government apart from God. Yeah. And big uh, government, unifying government of cross globalism. globalism, right? Right. It's it's all the world united under yeah. one big humanistic, yeah. godless. We can be like God. We can build this tower. And that's right. Yeah. And so, you know, we're, we got an election year coming up. We're going to be talking about a lot of principles, um, not not politics uh, or, po or parties, but we're going to talk about a lot of biblical principles. Mm -hmm. And then our job as Christians is to say which candidate or which, which person is promoting policies which are most in line right. with what we know to be principles for biblical prosperity. Yeah. Uh, and you cannot, and this is just a fact of life, you cannot prosper. Uh, as an individual, if you cannot govern yourself, how much of an economic drain is there even in America on um, supporting the breakdown of the family, supporting the problems we run into with everything from alcoholism, drug addiction, right. uh, all kinds of addictions. Right. We're incredibly addicted. So when, when people are addicted and when the home breaks down and people can't support themselves, who comes running into the void? Right. The government. The government. Yeah. Now, it's supposed to be. The church. Right. I mean, this is supposed to be individuals uh, helping. The, you know, help is supposed to have a face to it. It's not supposed to come as a government check in your mailbox. Yeah. Uh, biblical uh, welfare has a face to it. It yeah. means I'm going to get involved in your life. I'm going to know what's going on. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help get you pulled out of the whatever destructive behavior that you're involved in. Or if you came across hard times, we're going to help you. Right. Um, whatever those hard times were caused by. It's not always a moral issue right. or a character issue. Um, but we're going to come alongside and we're going to help you. But this is why um, socialism is seditious in nature. And that word sedition just literally means the undermining of legitimate God-ordained authority. Mm -hmm. So how is it that socialism is seditious? Well, socialism steps in and tries to make a God out of government, basically. You know, and we look at this today, you know, how many people look that they'll hand over their freedoms mm -hmm. to an ever-growing government for the government to solve those problems. Uh, and it's a tragedy, really, because God made us as free men. We're to live under God, and government is to have a tiny role of restraining evil yeah. and protecting us on the larger scale nationally, you know, from our enemies, right. protecting, securing our borders. All, all that we talk about all the right. things government is supposed to be doing, it's not doing. Right. And all the things it's not supposed to be doing, it's now trying to do as government gets ever enlarged, ever bloated. Right. Uh, ineffective but controlling more and more aspects of our well, life. A lot of times people don't understand. The government is <laughs> it made of people. And people fundamentally are, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, there's evil in our hearts. When you give power to government, government is not this benign force, neutral force. It's no. made of people with agendas and ideas and egos and power trips. So few people will surrender power. They only want more and more and more and more, right? I mean, if you, if you, if you eat 10... 10 pieces of candy a day, and the next day you don't go like, well, I want to just go to 9 or 8. You want more. You want 11 and 12. 
And that's what happens in nature when you give surrender your power to government. They rarely will give it back to the people. It's rare cases of, like right. you said, self-control, self-restraint for the, for, for the people in government to say, you know what, we're going to give the power back to the people. <laughs> Historically, that was almost never happened. No, no. And the sad thing is yeah. people will give away their freedom for what they think is security. Yeah. You know, the children of Israel did it all the time. That's a great example. We want to yeah. go back to Egypt. Yeah. Why would you want to go back to slavery? Well, because we, you know, we had a chicken in every pot, you yeah. know. Uh, and so they, they never embraced the, the responsibility of self-government under God. And, you know, you, we were talking about this yeah, morning. You, yeah. You mentioned the, people, the children of Israel. I mean, later when Samuel was their judge and he was the prophet, they complained to him about a king. They won a king. And when, yeah, go ahead. He, he said, there's a cost that comes with that, yeah. right? Well, uh, Samuel was heartbroken. He went to the Lord and the Lord says, no, they're not rebelling against you. They're rebelling against me, you know? Right. And that's a crucial, crucial point. When, when, when God recognized the desires in their hearts for security instead of living like free men, self-governed people under God. Yeah. So, yeah, and, you know. and this is the temptation that I think we've succumbed to in America today. Uh, it's not that, you know, we were talking about this. It's not that some people will argue, well, you guys want to, you Christians want to turn America into a theocracy. Um, uh, well, no, no, no. We understand this, the legitimate separation of powers. Yeah. We don't want the church to run the state. That's what theocracy technically is. But we want to be a nation under God. Yeah. We want to we want to look to the Lord for our blessing. We want to trust God and His in His principles right. uh, for our well being. We want to live as free men yeah. um, under God. We don't want to be controlled by tyrants. We don't want the state to be t dictating every aspect of our life. Like I was just thinking in yeah. New York City. They got so bad that the that the state was even dictating the size of soft drinks yeah, that you. I gulps. mean, yeah. do we really want the government telling us every little mi micromanaging every detail of our lives? No, we don't. I mean, I don't want that. I want to live as a free person under God, and I want the government to to stay in its proper box. No, absolutely. And yeah. uh, go ahead. No, I I was just saying. You know, I think those those decisions of of security versus. Freedom is the decision we have to make almost every day. Like even even nations with socialistic rule who are godless are still worshiping something in their governmental system. They're worshiping godlessness. Yes. Well, they're, they're basically saying government is our God, is our provider. Right. It's interesting because as Christians, every day, every day we have to fight that battle. Who is my provider today? Is my job my provider? Is... Um, the government my provider is the economy my provider or is god my is god my provider no my i named my third son uh jira jehovah jira is god's my provider and, and that was a crucial reminder no i we have these names to remind ourselves things right Amen. because we're going through a tough financial time i have to remind myself the economy is not my provider um no, my paycheck is not my provider. Yeah. God is my provider. And that's a faith check every Christian has to do every day. Yes. But when the lowering uh, uh, sense of government is going to provide for us more and more of our nation, few people are turning to God and say, hey, you're my provider. Even Christians. Yeah. And, you know, Jesus set the example for this as far as jurisdictional authority. Yeah. Uh, Jesus was set up, you know, like he often was. It's like it's kind of like when uh, you watch the media with the gotcha questions that they yeah. have on yeah. every news conference, right? Sure. Uh, every they, they got the gotcha question. Well, Jesus faced the gotcha crowd all the time. And they said, hey, Jesus, uh, you know, should we pay taxes to Caesar? 
And the issue was this, if Jesus says yes, then, then the common man looks at Jesus as a sellout because yeah. they hated the Roman government, right. and they hated the tax collectors, it was oppressive and it was crooked and it was corrupt. Right. But if Jesus said no, then he was then he was rejecting government and rejecting authority. Yeah, he, and that, he's a rebel and they, yeah. he's gonna get in trouble. So it's a lose-lose situation. He's an enemy of the state. Right. Right. And so here's this, yeah, like you said, here's this lose-lose situation. What's he going to say? And Jesus, moving in the wisdom of God Almighty, says, give me a coin. Yeah. He gets the coin. He pulls it out. There's George Washington on one side. Actually, it was, uh, it was Tiberius Caesar mm-hmm. on one side. And on the other side was his mother, Tiberius's mother, who was viewed as the uh, goddess of peace, all right? So on the one hand, you have legitimate earthly governments, uh, although it wasn't godly government, but it was a legitimate government. On the other side, though, you had a usurpation Mm -hmm. of what belongs only to God, and that is worship uh, and divinity, all right? And so what did Jesus say in uh, moving in the wisdom of God? He said, Give to Caesar what rightfully belongs to Caesar. Give to God what rightfully belongs to God. What he was saying is the state can never step in to the realm of authority that rightfully belongs to the Lord himself. That's what statism is. Statism is a false idol. It is looking to federal government or various layers of government to solve all of our problems when uh, those problems were made uh, for God to solve and for God alone to solve, and we're to be looking to Him in these things, which kind of brings us full circle back to the simple belief that we're going to put forth today, and that's this, that the problems that America is facing and that the nations of the world are facing are not fundamentally government, governmental in nature. They are people problems, and I'll even say this, they're man problems. They're problem. We need to make better men. We need to have better fathers. Yeah. We need to be making better homes. We need to be building better families. Um, and we come full circle. The problem with that is nobody wants to s- assume that my problems are my problems. Right. I, it's easier for me to blame you. Right. Blame Democrats, blame Republicans, blame the president, blame anybody. Right. Uh, but I don't want to take responsibility. Well, can I just make it super personal? You know, I'm a dad. Yeah. You're a dad times eight. Yeah. I'm a dad times three. <laughs> you know, and just I want to read this part. It, it just touched my heart. In 2017, Heritage Foundation article reported that routine family bonding activities like reading bedtime stories, eating meals together, have a profound effect on children's educational development and psychological well-being. And, you know, as a dad with young kids, you know, every night, you know, going through the routines, reading the story, putting them in bed, kiss them, hug them, and you go, you turn off the light, and they're like, no, I want another hug. I'm like, okay, come in, get another hug. No, I want some water. I'll get some water, you know. So just realizing these type of activity is it's tangibly creating a psychological well-being in their hearts yeah. to build confidence, to build integrity, to build self-control, to build welfare for them. I mean, I think it's important for, for parents to understand that. And you had some awesome encounter yesterday at home on Father's Day, impromptu. Well, not yesterday. It was Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Sunday, yeah. Impromptu Sunday in which you um, got a glimpse of your fathering, where sometimes you can't see the, the effects of your fathering in the yeah. short term, but yeah. in the I've, long term. I've been encouraged you and, and my wonderful son-in-law, Pastor Aaron, and all of you that are watching that are raising children and you're at that season now where you know, you've know got young kids. Yeah. I remember when my kids started learning how to read. Yeah. And I would say, okay, you read this to daddy. And, you know, they're like phonetically sounding it yeah. out. And, 
and my eyes are starting to go cross-eyed, I'm about ready to fall into a deep coma. You know? <laughs> bedtime reading, yeah. And, yeah you read the story oh, this time. Oh, yeah. Okay, let Daddy read. <laughs> <laughs> I can read faster. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I'm at a season of life, as many of you know, where my, my children are getting older. My, my youngest now is in high school, and... And we had this spontaneous Father's yeah. Day around my patio, uh, and my, one of my boys uh, said, hey, Dad, you know, let me run to the store. I'll cook something. I know you and Mom are tired. You know, we had three yeah. services on Sunday, yeah. early morning, and I was, I was pooped. Well, anyway, what happened was we had this amazing cookout, and then I love it as your children start to mature. And uh, I had my wife with me, and I had most of my kids there, and I even had some, some of their friends who joined us. And, uh, and my son uh, said, hey, all right, you guys, I want each of you to go around and just say one thing that you appreciate about dad. And, um, and it was really, really special because there was just a spontaneous heart gush. But, yeah. but I love it because, you know, we look at something like reading a story and you think, is this really significant? It's amazing when you ask your children, what is it that they appreciate about you as a mom or you as a father? Uh, and I just listen, you know, uh, one of my sons said, dad, I appreciate the fact that you don't lead by fear mm. that you, uh, trust us, that, that you believe in us. Uh, I had another one of my, my children say, dad, you know, I'm grateful for the way that you listen to me, but you challenge me and you tell me, you know, you shoot straight with me. And sometimes you tell me what I, I don't want to hear. Um, I had one of my daughters say, hey, dad, you know, mom's hugs are always great and I love them. But when you came down the other day and, uh, and because the Lord told you to go down and you came into my room and you hugged me and you, you held me, you know, there's nothing that replaces the love of a father. Yeah. And then another one of my, my children said, dad, you know, thanks for listening to me. And when I'm angry and frustrated and insecure and, and I want to quit and I want to give up and, um, and, and you listen to me, you let me vent, uh, and then you supported me and then you told me the way things are, basically. Yeah. I, I reframed the situation and I said, hey, you know, you're not going to quit and, and you're going to learn to do this better yeah. and, and you have skills and you have gifts in this area. And, and all I did was I, I, I refocused him on, on who he was and on what his calling was. And uh, and he was just you know weeping yeah. and uh, and telling me how much he loved me and appreciated me. I mean, and then I had you know even the two that were not my biological children but their spiritual sons yeah. who uh, just thanked me for living a, a godly life and for setting an example that they could look at and follow. See, they, these are all the things that fathers do. Right. Otherwise, kids yeah. quit. They yeah. give up. They get overwhelmed. Right. They they don't they don't want to follow through. They don't want to do the hard thing. Right. So they need dads who love them and who are there for them and who hold them and who, who speak life to them and who say, you know what, I understand, but you know what, we're not going to go that way. We're going we're going to rise up. We're, for my boys, we're going to be men. Yeah. This is what men do. Right. And and our young sons need that. And unfortunately, yeah. that's not happening all over America. Yeah. That's not happening. I mean, the way I see it, you know, working with a lot of young men is, you know, <laughs> young men gets, I mean, young women also too, but young people get attacked in their mind by yeah. the enemy left and right. And they go down a dark path. And I worked in the alternative school for 10 years and worked with a lot of young people. And everything could be going fine, but in their minds, they're going down that dark path. Yeah. And dad's comments and gives them, like you said, another perspective. It kind of intercepts that devil scheme and says, no, you can do it. Yes. You know, encourage them, say, no, think about it differently. No, you're not going to quit. And that's what dads do. They come and intercept the devil scheme yeah. and they say, hey, 
no, there's a di- there's, there's a different path for you. Yes. And so I, I heard that story. I'm super encouraged, you know. But just a reminder that both mom and dad are super essential. Dad has a role that is irreplaceable. That's right. And a mom has a role that's irreplaceable. Yeah. Both are irreplaceable. Yeah. Uh, but but you've got to have, you know, since we're talking about fathers, you've got to have fathers, which is why we get all the way full circle to Sunday's message. Yeah. Um, we're not made to live alone. So let's make sure we're connected in the body of Christ. In fact, what we've been saying loudly and clearly is the church of Jesus Christ is the solution to the healing that needs to take place and to bringing justice, to bringing economic prosperity, to bringing emotionally, spiritual, relational prosperity. Yeah. It's the church. We, we need each other. So if you're listening today and you're like, man, I don't, I don't come from a home where there's a strong father, or I don't know my father, yeah. or you're a single mom and you're watching this, and you're like, well, what are you saying, pastor? Yeah. You know, I can't raise good, healthy children. No, we're not saying that at all. We're no. saying you need the church. Yeah. You need the body of Christ. You can't do it alone. Uh, just like Moses could not do it alone. He needed to lead as a team. So yeah. I'm grateful that there are many people speaking into my children's lives, but no voice is more important right. than my own voice. And I, I wanna, I'm glad you, you, you talk about this. Now, I do want to speak to those who uh, may not have a father growing up, or maybe you're a single mom with, with no father figure in a household. And this is not a shaming or condemning message or anything no. at all. You know, I, we read this book in our discipleship group called Father by God. It's such an encouraging book because it's saying, regardless of the mistakes and the fault, the errors and fault, uh, and faultiness of our earthly fathers, yep. you're, it's a template for the real thing. It's your heavenly Father is always longing to father us. God yeah. presents Himself as the Father. You know, Father's Day we celebrate the ultimate Father, which is God Himself, who's, yeah. who loves us so much He gave His Son to die for us on yeah. our sin. But, but God is always intentionally, proactively looking to father you. You might be a fatherless biologically. You have a heavenly father who says, you know what? I'm not going to use this template. I'm going to directly come and father you. You might be uh, a single mom. Hey, you know what? Your children, if you allow them, if you lead them the way of the Lord, your heavenly father will directly follow uh-huh. them and father you too and love you to life. And that's the good news, right? Uh-huh. Our heavenly father loves us. And he says, <laughs> I don't even, in the absence of a biological father, I will be their father, and I will father you to life. A father to the fatherless. Uh, uh, And I love probably the highlight of of my Sunday on Father's Day was when we sang that song, The Blessing, uh, which comes right out of the the priestly blessing of Aaron over the people. God blesses us coming and going in and out. He's he's in in front of us, behind us, around us. And I love it. It says he's going to bless us. He's going to bless our children. He's going to bless our children's children and their children and their children. it says the covenant blessings of God are for a thousand generations. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we said, he is for you. He is for you. He is for you. Over and over again, the wonderful truth that God is for us, not against us. That's the hope that we have. And we just want you to be encouraged today. As Pastor Andrew was, was saying, you know, we have an amazing daddy, a heavenly father who's able to compensate when our earthly fathers come up short. And he's also brought those that are fatherless into a family. It's called the church. It's called the family of God. It's called the body of Christ. And I want to encourage you, if you're watching this, make sure that you're plugged in locally to a good local church. Make sure that you're part of a good, healthy, small group where you're known and people know your story. And and Andrew leads our life groups here and our discipleship ministry. And those groups are so valuable in helping people to have a relational connection and helping them to see 
uh, you know, what godly families look like. Yeah. Uh, and we so desperately need that. So, Andrew, would you pray for those that are maybe watching today? Let's just pray for, for a healing of the fa- the curse of fatherlessness in our country today. You know, yeah. in it, the Malachi ends the whole old covenant with a promise that God would restore uh, children to their fathers. Yeah. Um, and we, if we need anything in America right now, we need a revival of manhood, biblical manhood, uh, godly fathers to help restore the brokenness that's in our culture like no government program can ever yeah. do. Amen. So Amen. let's pray. pray. Father, thank you so much for establishing... Um, um, this institution, this precious gift of fatherhood, and you present yourself as a father to us, and just the nuance, the power, the glory that re- that reflects upon yourself of being a father. And both Pastor Ron and I are privileged to become fathers mm. that we can love and we can care and we can father not just our own children but others who are fatherless, Lord. And we ask that you release the anointing, a blessing of fatherhood for our nation today. Our nation needs more and more men who who are able to make that interception, uh, who are able to intercept the enemy's scheme. And what enemy meant for evil, we speak life and we direct it towards blessing. What the enemy was trying to destroy and kill, the father comes in and intercepts and says, no, we speak life. We bring you to restoration. We bring you to wholeness. And Father, our nation needs that more than ever. So Lord, we pray for our Livingstone Church that our men here will become great fathers. We'll have a fathering heart to not just father our own kids, but for other men and women and children who are are fatherless, but for our nation, for our state and for our nation too, that we will come back um, to, the the father will turn his heart and his face to the children, and the kids will turn their their face and their hearts back to the father, and the curse will be lifted in our land. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you guys for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this. Give us some feedback. Don't forget you can watch us on our social media platforms, which are, help me out YouTube, it's gonna be a podcast on our website and Facebook. All right, so like it, share it, help us get the word out. Uh, And this week, move in the blessing of your Heavenly Father. He loves you. He's for you. Uh, He'll heal your heart. He'll heal your wounds. And most importantly, let's be self-governed under God. Let the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God change you and transform you so that you can move in the supernatural blessing of God. Amen. Have an amazing week. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. See you next week.